"'Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it hardly worth his while to waste his time on the old violin, but he held it up with a smile. What am I bid, good people, he cried. Who starts the bidding for me? One dollar, one dollar, do I hear two? Two dollars, who makes it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no. From the room far back, a gray-bearded man came forward and he picked up the bow. and Then he wiped the dust from the old violin and he tightened up the string. And he played a melody, pure and sweet, as sweet as the angels sing. And the music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, What now am I bid for this old violin as he held it aloft with its bow? One thousand, one thousand, do I hear two, two thousand, who will make it three? And three thousand once, three thousand twice, going and gone, said he. And the audience cheered. But some of them cried, We just don't understand. What changed its worth? Swift came the reply, the touch of the master's hand. Do you realize that we have individuals who are present in this place today whose lives are battered, their lives are beaten, their lives are torn, they've been abused, they've been hurt, they've been, they've been beaten down, and, and, and the difference that, that they will make in their life is only that difference of the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ upon their life. But the world doesn't know that. The world just sees you standing there on the auction block and they look at your life and they say, what's the big deal? Why are you acting like you're acting? Why are you doing what you're doing? But they don't know the change that can be wrought by Jesus Christ. And maybe you don't know that change that can be wrought by Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been religious all your life. Maybe you've been Baptist all your life. Maybe you've been a member of this church all your life. But you don't know the change that comes when the master touches your heart, your life, your soul. Because Jesus changes that which is unchangeable. Have you figured that out yet? You said, well, no, preacher, because he didn't change me. Then you never met him. Because it's a denial of grace. It's a denial of mercy. It's a denial of salvation. Because when Jesus touches your life, he changes you. You don't add religion. You don't join the church. You just don't make things right. You get changed by the master when he touches you. He takes what you used to hate and all of a sudden you love it. And he takes what you used to love and all of a sudden you don't like it any longer. He touches your life. See, look what it says in John chapter 5. John chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethsaida, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folks, of blind, of halt, of wither, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatever disease he had. Well, boys, doesn't that mess up your theology? Because it does mine. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You got a bunch of sick folk laying by the pool and the first one in the water, after the water gets stirred up, gets made whole. I don't understand it. But I know that's what the Word of God says. And I'm not always required to understand it. I'm required to accept it. I'm required to receive it. I'm required to say this is the Word of God. And there was a certain man 
which had an infirmity 38 years. That's a long time, isn't it, guys? Some of y'all not even 38 years old. And this guy's had a situation going on in his life for 38 years years and for 38 years his life consisted of a four by six mat probably that was laid down there by the pool of Bethesda and he was laying there on this mat and, and he was waiting for the water to stir and all of a sudden when the water would be stirring there was healing being offered he couldn't get there fast enough because somebody else got in front of him doesn't that sound like life doesn't it sound like the way you live on island there's always somebody beating me to it there's always somebody getting in my way there's always somebody receiving it before I get my chance to receive it. And it just doesn't seem right. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there a long time in that case, he said, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. That's the way life is. Before I could get my application in, somebody beat me to it. Before I could get my bid in, somebody beat me to it. Before I could get my place in position, everything in line, somebody beat me to it. And Jesus said, rise, take up thy bed and walk. Are you crazy? How do you have a lame man walk? How do you have a blind man see? How do you have a deaf man hear? It's by one way. That's by the word of God. It's by one way. That's by meeting Jesus Christ. That's by one way. That's by Jesus Christ coming and intersecting your life. When you're minding your own business, he steps up and he speaks a word to you. And you do it. See, 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 he's always asking us to do stuff we can't do. And if all he ever asks you to do is things you can do, you're missing it. Because if you can do it, where's the faith? If you can do it, where's the glory go? He asked a dead man to get out of the grave. You can't do that, can you? No. He asked a blind man to see. You can't do that, can you? He asked a deaf man to hear. You can't. He asked a lame man to walk. He's asking you! What's your problem going on in life that you would like to change, but you can't change it? And you just resolved in your life, it's just here to keep me humble, I guess, because I can't do nothing about it. Jesus can change the unchangeable. Jesus can change a marriage. Jesus can change a prodigal. Jesus can change in your life and all of a sudden the desire of your heart is no longer the things of the world but it's the things of Christ Jesus because when Jesus shows up the touch of the master's hand can do far more than any preacher can do he can do far more than any doctor can do the touch of the master's hand gets extended to your life and he can change your unchangeables what is it you'd like to see changed because Jesus can change the unchangeables of life. And immediately the man was made whole. And he took up his bed and he walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath. It's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. Do you think they missed it? 
He's been there 38 years and they're nitpicking about the law saying you cannot pick up your pallet, roll it under your arm and walk because they'd rather you be beat down. They'd rather you still be on your bed. They'd rather you be in your bondage. They'd rather you be unchanged. And he said, He that made me whole, the same said to me, Take up thy bed and walk. And they asked him, what man is that which said unto thee, take up thy bed and walk? And he said that was healed was not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. And afterward Jesus finded him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more. Well, that's a strong one, isn't it, guys? Lest a worse thing come unto thee. And the man departed and told the Jews it was Jesus that had made him whole. What's in your life that you would like to see changed, but in your power it's unchangeable? What's in your life that you would like to see different, but, but, but you've just resolved that just this, this is just the way life is. I can't fix it. I can't straighten it out. I just have to accept it like it is. Because hear me, when you come to understand that, you need to also understand that Jesus changes the unchangeable. The touch of the master's hand can do far more than anybody else. But you've got to realize what is it in your life that you would like to see changed? Anything? I mean, I mean, what is it that, that you, you would like to be different in your life? And maybe there's something in your spiritual life that you would like to see change. Maybe you would like to see your faith increase, your faith grow, your faith develop to whereby you did not have this constant doubting. You did not have this constant battle with unbelief. Because you see, unbelief, it always goes and attacks truth. And when it attacks truth, my friends, what happens is we find ourselves yielding that area back into the flesh, back into the world. And so, so what is in your life you would like to see change in your spiritual life? Would you like your faith to increase? Would you like your hope to hope as Abraham did? Hope when there was no hope. Whereby God can do the miraculous even on your behalf. Would you like to see that joy, that fullness of joy that God promised you that, that, that you can live in? What would you like to see in your spiritual life changed? Anything? What would you like to see in your emotional life change? And maybe you met Jesus Christ and you thought he was going to straighten out all your emotions and salvation would fix every issue you had, but it's not as of yet. What would you like to see emotionally taking place in your life? Maybe you deal with anxiety and you don't know and nobody knows around you the fear that you constantly battle with. And he said that this fear, it grips me and sometimes it paralyzes me. And we got people who are all over this place that are paralyzed by fear of the what ifs and fear of what if this happened. We've got people who have lived with anxiety and it's just so stressful to their very being. Maybe maybe you've got anger issues going on inside you. Maybe you're like that, 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 that ticking time bomb and it just doesn't take much, but all of a sudden, you're just going to erupt and it's going to splatter everywhere. Maybe you got pouting issues going on. Now, we're grown adults. Now, I guess there's some question marks there, aren't there? <laughs> but we pout. Why do we pout? Because of anger. Unresolved. Undealt with. Maybe you got issues going on in your life of depression. 
Everybody, you're constantly facing this battle and you're, and you're weighed down and, 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 and you've got this anxious and this gloom and this heaviness that weighs on you. And you just seem like you live under a cloud. Maybe there's something in your spiritual life you would like to see change. Maybe there's something in your emotional life that you would like to see change. Maybe there's something in your relational life with others you would like to see change. Maybe you're one of those individuals you have to constantly be in control. Now don't nudge your spouse. Maybe you have to constantly dominate. Maybe you're, you're like that sandpaper on people's lives and the whole room lights up when you leave. Maybe you say, I wish I wasn't like that, but that's how I am. Maybe you, you just got this jealousy inside your life that, that you can't hardly stand it because you're jealous when somebody else gets recognition. You're jealous when somebody else gets to go on the great vacation. You're jealous when somebody else gets blessed with a new whatever. Maybe you've got this going on inside you and, and you say, I would really not like to be that. Maybe it's in your personal life that you would like to see some changes taking place. Maybe you live with a crisis mindset and you'd be amazed at the individuals who love living with a crisis mindset that they love living this crazy microphone I gotta get it straight microphones and glasses don't go good together alright maybe you've got this idea that, that, that everything is a crisis and if it's a crisis they need Mr. Fix It to fix it because some of you all love to fix it right and you can fix everybody's problem and you can answer everybody's situation and you can answer everybody's dilemma but your own. Don't you find that interesting? We all know how to handle everybody else, but we can't fix our own mess. Hmm. Maybe, see, in your, your personal life, you... you, you you think, my finances are a mess because my outgoes exceed my income. And when my outgo exceeds my income, I'm getting ready for a downfall, right? Yeah. See, so, so maybe there's something in your personal life you say, I need changed. Maybe there's something in your physical life that you need changed. I mean, guys, this guy has been on the mat for 38 years. That's a long time. Do you know what happens when you stay on a 4 by 6 mat for 38 years? You get in a rut. You find yourself living in a habit of a certain mindset. You find yourself living in a way that you may not even like to live. But you live there and nothing ever changes. My mother was bedfast for Two years before she passed away. My dad took care of her the entire time. But my mother's room, she stayed in this little room. She did not want a television on. She did not want a radio on. Her whole life consisted of a 12 by 12 room. And so you would go in and you say, Mom, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. There's not a whole lot that changes in a 12 by 12 room when you don't have the news on, you don't have a radio on, you don't read the newspaper, you just kind of lay there. 
See, 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 that's what happens sometimes in life. We, we find ourselves in situations where our world all of a sudden becomes confined to our little mat. And we have needs and sometimes we don't even recognize what our needs are. And yet we've got a great physician that knows every need that we have. And we've got a loving father that knows every need we have. But he says, you have to realize when I give you my word, respond to what I am saying. What about your mental life? Would you like that to change? Maybe you're cynical all the time. Maybe you pride yourself that you're the devil's advocate and you're always throwing a wrench into everybody's plan. And you really wish you didn't do that. Maybe your mind is just pornographic. Maybe your mind is just filled with smut. You need a change of even how you think. So let me ask you. What do you need changed that you can't fix? What do you need changed that you lack the power to change it? Well, preacher, you don't know me. I got willpower. How's that willpower work when you're on a diet? <laughs> oh, we make it about three months, don't we? And then she goes and makes a cake. <laughs> and she puts peanut butter pie icing on it. And she leaves it on the countertop. And I keep squaring it up, you know. <laughs> and it's gone. I said, this cake's a little dry. She said, throw it out. I said, you crazy? I said, it's dry. I didn't say it tasted bad. See, 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 willpower doesn't cut it. Because there is a power greater than your will. Called the devil and the demons in hell. And they want to keep you in bondage. And, and so, so, so you have to understand... What do you do with those things that you cannot change? What do you do with those situations in life that you cannot fix? How is it that, 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 that Jesus, he can, he can change the unchangeable? Well, look at the passage because there's several things here we need to see about this passage. You see, see, first off, this man's been here 38 years. He cannot fix himself. He cannot get into the pool. He is in a rut. He is in a routine. He is in a habit. He's constantly struggling with the same old, same old. How about you? You constantly struggle with the same old thing. Now, change happens in three ways. The first way change that happens is, is when there's a duty that is involved. How many of y'all remember getting married? All right. It, it's not that bad of a thought, guys. You know, you can have more, more of that. Yeah, I'm trying to. You remember you're getting married. It was so exciting. You get married, you say, I do. You go off on your honeymoon or wherever you go, and you're so madly, passionately in love. That's the way it is, right? And then you have children. And when you had children, did it change your relationship to your spouse? You still love them passionately. But all of a sudden, it changed, did it not? Because all of a sudden, at 2 a.m., somebody wants fed. 
And at 4 a.m., somebody needs a diaper change. And all of a sudden, somebody has a boo-boo and somebody has to go here and we got to learn to potty train. Did life change when you had a baby? Yes. And now you're no longer looking starry-eyed at each other going, oh, baby. Now you're saying, would you take care of your son? See, duty, it causes us to change. Because you have a child, your whole life just changed. Because now you have a responsibility beyond yourself. And you have been blessed. Sometimes desperation leads us to change. When an addict hits rock bottom, you would think they want to change. I'm amazed at sometimes how far rock bottom must be, aren't you? Because you think they're there and all of a sudden they're not. Because what I've learned is a lot of people don't want deliverance, they want relief. There's a difference, you know that, don't you? Just give me relief for a little while so I can get back to my stuff. But see, desperation creates in us this, this desire for change. And when you get desperate enough... See, see, see that's, what the, that's what the old sinner comes to church house and, and all of a sudden he hears about the love of God, the mercy of God. But all of a sudden he's sensing the convicting power of God and he's, this miserable sense of comes over his life. And, and the pressure, the convicting, the drawing, the, he gets desperate for God. And he meets him and his life changes. I, I, I was talking to a preacher friend this week from East Tennessee. He's about 35 years old. He said, Mark, let me tell you what happened. He said there was a 90-year-old bootlegger moonshiner in Claiborne County, Tennessee, got saved last week. Ain't you amazed at that? He said he, he, he ran the whole outfit back up in these mountains. And he met Jesus. I wonder if he put out of business on his door. Huh? Huh? You see, when the kingpins get saved, people start noticing something, don't they? And that's why you need to pray, God, show me the biggest kingpin in Madisonville, Hopkins County, and let's pray them to Jesus. Right? See, 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 see. So, so, so here we, we, we understand that there's this desperation comes inside your soul when you realize who you are and, and where you're headed and all your sin and all of a sudden you see a savior with outstretched hands that offers you forgiveness, it offers you cleansing, it offers you eternal life and, and, and then sometimes discovery leads us to change we discover a new way of doing something and it's more efficient so, 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 so that is how, how change can come. But when you look at this man here in John chapter 5, he, he's in a pathetic situation. And, and, and Jesus Christ comes up to this man in a pathetic situation who cannot fix himself, who cannot change himself. And Jesus comes and says, I want to change your unchangeableness. Now, now look at this. Look at some things a bit in the background here. Look at verse 2. Now there is at Jerusalem. Jerusalem means the city of Peace. That's important. Now there is that the city of peace. 
The backdrop of this story is the city of peace. Everybody is looking for internal peace in their lives. Everybody is looking for that. that because, you see, that's why they fill their life with the world. That's why they fill their life with the things of the world. Because, you see, constantly we've got to be doing this to get higher. And constantly we've got to be doing this to have more excitement. Why? Because we need peace. But hear me, the peace of the world cannot even compare to the peace of Almighty God. Because when the peace of God comes inside your life, it brings also with it purpose. It brings also with it the plan of God. So, so the backdrop is, is, is the city of, of peace. And it says, and they were by the sheep gate. This was the entrance where, where everybody would come into Jerusalem and they would bring their sheep and they would bring their lambs and they would take them to sacrifice there at the temple whereby they could have peace with God. And, and all of a sudden, here it is in the city of peace as a sheep gate, the Lamb of God who died to take the sins of the world away. He shows up and here's the Lamb of God who's going to take your sins and my sins. He said, I'm going to give you real peace. That's the backdrop that we've got here. And it was at Bethsaida. Bethsaida, it means the house of mercy. So here you've got in the city of peace, the Lamb of God showing up, said, I'm going to give you mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is when God withholds from you what you deserve. I like mercy. (laughs) And it says it was at the, the gate. There was five porches, rather. The words, the number five is a reference in, in Hebrew. It, it's symbolic of grace. So you get in the backdrop. Here at the, the, the place of peace, the, the Lamb of God shows up and he's offering mercy and he's offering peace. Woo! That has been a good place to shout. You missed it. Because you see, today at this place, the Lamb of God has showed up. And this place of peace of God that passes all understanding, the Lamb of God has shown up. And He is extending grace and He is extending mercy for people who can't get it on their own. Mm. You see what's going on in this story? Grace and mercy are coming together. And all of a sudden, here you find this. How does He do it? In in these lay a great multitude of impotent folks. In this building, there's a great multitude of folks who just don't have it all together and they're just waiting for God to move. Because when God moves, if I'm there first, I get it. No. When God moves, if I respond, See, see, now again, it starts messing with me because, see, see, there's interesting facts. Jesus offers forgiveness of sin. Jesus offers a transformation of life. How? By the Word of God. Look what it says. And Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had now been a long time in that case and he said would you be made whole do you understand how important the word of God is do you understand when when God starts getting in your business and he starts asking you questions just like that would you be whole answer is based on the word of Christ. Right? 
it's based on the word. See, see, music is wonderful, but you've got to have the word of God. See, 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 our temptation can be we can worship worship. But the word of God, Jesus was made flesh and he dwelt among us, the word of God. So Jesus shows up. Now, now here's what messes with my theology. This man never asked for Jesus to come to him. Oh, don't you find that interesting? He's minding his own business. He's living on his four by six mat. He's fussing because this brother got in and that sister got in and he's stuck on his mat. And Jesus comes to him. See, see, we think we're seeking God. The Bible says no man seeks God. You see, he seeks us long before we ever come to our senses and have the idea that we're seeking. He lets us think that thought, that, oh, I'm seeking God. Oh, I'm trying to find God. All the time he's been drawing us. All the time he's been leading us. All the time he's been working behind the scenes. We don't even know it. He shows up. and This man never asked him to show up. And then he said, here's what Jesus Would you be made whole? Jesus confronted this man in the area he needed to change. So let me ask you, what's God put in your mind right now? That area, you need changed. Because you didn't choose to think about it. God brought it up right now and put it in your brain. So that's, I can't change it. No, but the touch of the master can change it all. This man never asked Jesus. And then Jesus confronts. See, see, see we, we don't like that confrontation. We want to love people into the kingdom of God. You can't do it. You can love people enough to give them the gospel message of truth. But you can't love anybody into heaven. So you love them to where you can have an audience to share with them the truth of the gospel. And the truth of the gospel is you've got to confront people about their sin. Well, I don't like that. Man, the Holy Ghost is doing it long before you're saying anything. See, 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 he confronted this man in the area that he needed to change. And he said, he said you don't have to live this way. Wait a second, Jesus. I'm on a mat. It's four by six. I've been here 38 years. And you're telling me I don't have to live this way? Did this man demonstrate any faith? I don't see none, do you? I mean, what did he say? He said, sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me in the pool, but while I'm coming down, another steppeth down before me. How many excuses have you made for why you just stay like y'all? Who are you blaming it on? Nobody helps me. My parents, when they were potty training me, they didn't do it right, and now I've got issues. <laughs> Who are you blaming? Jesus 
doesn't want to hear your excuse. Jesus doesn't want to. <laughs> and Jesus doesn't even give you a formula. And we love formulas, don't we? 21 ways to happiness and success. He, he's making all these excuses. What excuses are you making for the situation that you can't change? And what's Jesus say? He gives him a word. How many of y'all own a Bible? Okay, four. <laughs> you probably own 14 Bibles. See, if this is the Word of God, and it needs a Word of God to, to change, don't you think you ought to be in this book? And this book ought to be getting inside of you? Hmm. He's given excuses why he can't. And so what does Jesus say to him? Rise! Get up! Has he heard me? I've been here 38 years. I can't get up. Hey, mister, don't you understand? Jesus says, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. He didn't give him a formula. See, see, Jesus didn't even ask him about his condition. Don't you find that interesting? Well, tell me, Bear, how did you get this way? Oh, Julie. <laughs> how did you get this way? Oh, Bear. He didn't ask his opinion. He didn't ask his opinion. Don't you find that amazing? Man, we're quick with that one, though, aren't we? What I think, because I can fix your problem. I can't fix myself, but I can fix everybody else. Jesus, he did not ask him what his problem was. He didn't ask him if he had the willpower to want to. Because willpower don't get us nowhere. He simply gave him a word. I'm desperate. And one word can change my whole life. Right? And one word can change your whole life. It can change your whole family. It might change your direction. It will change you though. But you've got to get a word from God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I'm not talking about the Logos word where it's just written on the page per se. I'm talking about the Rema word where God takes it off the page and he burns it inside your heart and it becomes a personalized word for my life. And I live by it. So, so, so Jesus, he, he says, rise. See, it's not by your willpower. It's by the word of God. And right now, God is speaking loudly in some of your ears and some of your hearts. He's given you a word. He knows what your issue is. You know he knows what your issue is. And he's given you a word. But do you desire to be made well to change? Do you desire? You can be on the mat a long time. Can't you? You can get comfortable on a mat. I'm used to my mat. 
And all of a sudden, when he wants me to change, I'm going to have to get off my mat. Because he said, rise, take up thy bed, and walk. In the city of peace, the Lamb of God shows up, offering grace and mercy all by the word. Will you respond to the word? Will you respond? It's simply saying, will you receive the word of God? Let, let me give you some Bible verses. Jeremiah 32, 17. Maybe you need to remember these. Oh, Lord God, behold, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Amen. Jeremiah 32, 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? No, hallelujah. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Psalm 62, 11. God has spoken once, twice. I have heard this. The power belongs to God. Job 42, 2. I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Ephesians 3, 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church and the principalities and the powers of the heavenly places. Luke one thirty seven. For with God nothing will be impossible. And when Jesus tells you to rise, get up, receive the word, respond, or stay in your pit. Get up. See, and in order to do that, you've got to remember this. That which is impossible with you is possible with Almighty God. It's possible with God. Now that means, preacher, if I respond, I'll never have a problem. I'll never be sick again. No! That means you receive His Word. And His Word bursts itself, germinates inside your life. Faith is produced. And you go forward facing the difficulties and the challenges that life brings at you. But you go forward in faith. Because when God calls you to do the impossible, it's because it's possible only with Him. What does it mean to rise? It means I risk. You like to risk. Because see, when you rise, you're changing what's being. And many people... People even hear that you're paralyzed with fear of issues. But when you arise, hope comes forth. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is made up of desire. Hope is made up of expectation. And hope is made up of patience. And when you take these three things and you mix them all together, out comes this cake of hope. And God gives us hope. I was in Auschwitz, Poland several years ago leading a Bible conference. And we went and toured the, uh, the concentration camp. Awful. What surprised me about it, it was not that large. It's probably the size of a football field, maybe a half of a football field. You go into this one, one room and, and there's a window probably the size of that wall and all it is is human hair of victims that they would take and stuff into pillows 
You go into another room and there's just shoes. All of the victims. And I'm in this little bookstore. It's not much bigger than this choir pit right here. And it, it, there's a book that said, Hope is the last to die. Because when you lose hope, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And when you reach out believing God as his word is spoken to your heart, you lay hold of the master's hand and the master touches your life, he births inside you hope. Why? Because 1 Timothy 1, 1 says Jesus Christ is our hope. And he says, take up your bed. Why? Don't make any provisions to relapse. You know what relapse is? We go back. He said, take it up. Don't make any provision. Walk away. Walk away from that best friend you've had. Walk away from that place you used to haunt. Change. Take up your bed. Don't go back to it. He said, rise, take up your bed. Who takes up your bed? You do. Don't expect anybody to carry you. Well, you know, that church let me down. That preacher wasn't there when I needed him. up your bed don't expect anybody to care stand up and be a man be a woman of faith, a woman of God a man of God and walk walk and you walk in rhythm with the Holy Spirit and as you walk in rhythm with the Holy Spirit it's amazing you got the picture in the place of peace the Lamb of God is present he's extending mercy he's extending grace but it's all on how you respond to the word of God do you really want change spiritual life personal life, mental life emotional life physical life do you really want change what did this man do and immediately he was whole took up his bed and he walked here's
there's this issue of making it public. Where all of a sudden you become accountable, right? And you realize I've just made myself accountable. Why? And it's not a bad thing. Accountability is a good thing. But I have responded. I have received the word of God. I gotta let somebody know. How do you make it public? Well, sometimes you make it public by using this altar. Sometimes you make it public by going and you make a phone call. Or you make a visit. And you say, I forgive you. I'm amazed at people who say they've been hurt. They say, well, I've forgiven them. But then they talk about it for the next three days. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear to me. He responded. He had an approach. Look over the book of Exodus. Chapter 14. You remember when Moses came into the children of Israel and he was going to lead them out of Egyptian bondage? You remember the second plague? I know it's hard. It was the frogs. Anybody like frogs? Good eating, but you know, we don't necessarily like frogs. God sent a plague of frogs. Frogs were everywhere. They were in the river. They were in your house. They were in your cupboards. They were in your drinking glass. Everywhere there were frogs. Now look what it says. Verse 2, and if you refuse to let my people go, behold, I will smite all the borders with frogs. Guess what? Frogs showed up. But look at verse 6. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people. I will let you go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. Look what it says. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee, for thy servants and for thy people, to destroy the frogs from the house that they remain in the river only? What do you say, verse 10? Tomorrow? Now you get in the picture. You got 4,000 frogs in your house, in your bed. We want them gone tomorrow. What about today? Why do you want to spend one more night with the frogs? What about now? God, I need change now. And you're reaching out with your hands of grace and mercy. And I'm not waiting till tomorrow. Now, Lord Jesus, I receive, I respond. But some of y'all right now, you're thinking about, I got to do this another time. Bow your head and close your eyes. In this place of peace, the Lamb of God is here. And He has come and He's extended mercy. 
And he's extending grace. And he's saying, that thing in your life that you cannot change, I can change it. But you've got to receive, you've got to respond to my word. And you've got to be public. So lost man, lost boy, lost girl, lost woman. Why do you want to stay in your lostness? When the Lamb of God is here saying... I will save you to the uttermost. I will forgive your sin. I will cleanse you. I will give you purpose and meaning. Man, come now. Be born again. Meet Jesus Christ. And and save person with issues going on. And we all have issues. What is it specifically God has put his finger on in your heart that you're saying, not right now. I want one more night with a fraud. What are you saying? What is it you've got in your life that you would like to change, but... You can't change it, but Jesus can. And he's already spoken it to you in your heart. He already has spoken it to you in your mind. You know exactly what it is. Will you obey? Father, we bow before you this morning.